Welcome back to another episode of the Fez Talks Podcast. I, of course, am your host, Fez. Today in the podcast, we'll be talking about The Batman, the recent movie that came out a couple of weeks ago in March. But first, before we get into that, I just want to let you guys know that this podcast is going to be heavy into spoilers. So this is your spoiler warning. If you haven't seen the movie, do not and you don't want to be spoiled, do not listen to the podcast until after you've seen you've seen the movie. Um, no, we've been on a big hiatus, and I'll talk more about that on the back end. But without any further ado, The Batman. Fear is a tool. But when that light hits the sky... It's not just a call. It's a warning. So, today on the Fez Talks podcast, we have my cousin Dylan again. And this time, although you cannot see us for our visual cues, we're talking about the Batman. Hey, Dill, how you doing? I am fantastic. I've already seen this movie three times, and I do plan on seeing it probably one or two more times before it exits the theater. So I've only seen it just last night, which you and I were talking about. So I don't have the overall expansive knowledge that you do about the film. So I want you to run down what the first takeaways from the film were before we get into nitty gritty. So after my first viewing, I think my biggest takeaway was that I'll go, I'll go with three. My first biggest takeaway was probably the cinematography. I loved so many shots in this movie. Like it's, it, it is a gorgeous movie and this bat suit kind of, there's parts of it that are very reminiscent of the Arkham Knight bat suit to me, which is my personal favorite bat suit. And there's like two, there's like a couple shots. One, there's one shot where um, he's on top of the building looking over the city at like sunset, and like it's from behind. And like if you told me it was the Arkham Knight suit, I'd believe it. Like it, it was such a beautiful shot. So cinematography was probably my biggest takeaway. Second biggest takeaway was Gotham. I thought Gotham was incredible. It like. They really go out of their way to show you how much of a shithole Gotham is. <laughs> and it's just always raining. It is always raining. It's always grim. Everyone's like sleazy. Like they do Gotham very well. And the third biggest takeaway is how many performances in this movie were incredible. The entire cast was exceptional in this whole movie. So, like I told you and telling everybody now i've only seen the film once and it was last night i love this film too it is the batman story that i've always wanted something like this to be told yes. because it, it shows it doesn't show you that batman's the technological wizard that he's always portrayed in, in the films it's the classic world's greatest detective even that line is said by the penguin yeah earlier uh later on in the film Ah, uh, world's greatest detectives. <laughs> the f- and the funny thing is, is that like, as you know, the movie's like three hours long. It to me, it didn't feel like three hours. It's got such good pacing. Um, at least for me, it work- The pacing works for me. It ke- you it keeps you interested the entire time. Uh, I'm gonna go with you. Gotham is a shithole. It actually reminds me of like those classic. Um, the, the way New York City was always portrayed during the, the 60s to the 80s where it's a shithole. Yeah. So I got that vibe. Um, and I told you before, so I'm not speaking out of school, I was on the fence about Robert Pattinson being Batman. As, as but, I feel most people were. Because but, they only really knew him for Twilight. But we talked about this before, and he was exceptional. Yeah, as Batman. I, I I 
too many performances in this to go through the whole list of people who are amazing. And, you know, it's very film noir and I love that aesthetic and I love, I love the cinematography because it, it, it actually lends itself to the Batman comics. And that was I, one of the things I said after the first viewing, I was like, this is such a hard, like gritty noir film. Ugh, that's why that's one of my favorite things about it. So is there anything, whether it's first, second or third takeaway that you didn't like about the film? I've honestly like thought hard about like anything I disliked about the film. And there's, there's nothing I can really put my finger on that. I don't like, I'm going to be completely honest. And each viewing was equally as enjoyable. Well, I told you before we, we, uh, we hit the record button that I only have one, one nitpick and it's a nitpick. Mm -hmm. And whereas you love the bat suit because it, it's very reminiscent in the fact that it, it reminds you of specifically the Arkham Knight game, especially with all the zippy zippy doodahs on it. Um, for me, the bat suit wasn't. I, I got the Arkham stuff with it, and I appreciated that. What mm. I didn't like, and one one I can live with, the other one I can't. The one that I can live with is the way the cowl looks on Robert Pattinson. And the other thing is that I cannot stand that collar thing above the cape. It, to me, just looks weird. Yeah. So that, that's the, the only thing. The only thing. And we've talked about our favorite. Well, I guess we never really talked about at least on the podcast, our favorite Batman movies, but I know we haven't actually, we, we haven't, we've only compared Spider-Man films. We have yet to compare Batman films, but I, I would hazard to guess that for you and me, depending on where we're ranking things, that this is probably one of the top three Batman movies. For me, for me, Right now, it is number one for me. I say it's number two only because I have such an affinity for the Dark Knight. Yeah, which that was that was that was actually my prediction because I was talking to Garrett about it. I was like, I think he's gonna say Dark Knight still is number one, but I know he's gonna love this film. And you know, it it it's probably because I have for the Dark Knight, I have a sentimental, um response to it because yeah it's one of it's one of the first batman films that i I went with you to go see number one number two uh it was one of the one film that i saw with a girlfriend that that she bought me all this batman stuff for (laughs) and you know i feel it uh, it all comes down to the psychological with batman so that's the first batman film that was really psychological the only other batman tale that we get is that's really psychological at least to me is probably batman forever and that really is just very loosely or psychology adjacent Mm -hmm. but i i feel like it's kind of really neck and neck if i if i'm going to be honest if i watch this three or four more times i'm probably going to be right where you are yeah it's because there, there's so many things that, because I, I was saying to Garrett, like it, it's, it's very hard to compare this film to Dark Knight, because of how drastically just different they are. Because they're both incredible in their own ways, and they're going for completely different aesthetics, different themes. Like, but for me, like I think, The Batman is my favorite Batman film, and I do think, I personally think it's the best Batman film. But as a as an action drama film, Dark Knight would exceed in that level. Like I, I think I think the writing might actually be a little bit better than Dark Knight, and I do think Dark Knight probably has better dialogue too. Probably does, but I feel like there's still, so hard to compare though. It's it's very funny. I was thinking about this the other day. 
like every Batman film that, you know, we've talked about, I feel like has always focused either on Bruce Wayne or the villains, not Batman, because Batman is Bruce Wayne and not the other way around. Yeah. And I was, I was saying to uh, a couple of friends that I saw this with, they like, they're like, Oh, like he doesn't uh, like, like, I don't like how he, how he was as Bruce Wayne. I'm like, dude, Bruce Wayne is not in this movie. <laughs> Bruce Wayne is not in this movie. The one time he goes out in public was literally just so he could try to catch the Riddler at the funeral. He was undercover as Batman. Like, like I, like he didn't even try to act like Bruce Wayne. Like he didn't say a word to anyone in that entire scene, except for Falcone. He was the only person he talked to the whole time. So I went last night with my girlfriend and Andy and Amanda, and we had a big discussion after the movie. And, you know, you we've had this discussion before, um, but this kind of goes to the ending of the movie. And I, and I might just zip this back to the back end of the podcast, but it popped into my head. Mm. Um, at the end, where I'm, we're at Arkham we get the Riddler and the Joker. Mm-hmm. Although it's not express- expressly stated that it's the Joker, but we know. Yeah. <laughs> um, some people, uh, Amanda in particular, said to me that, you know, the Joker is really played out in Batman, and she feels like Heath Ledger is the only person that really portrayed the Joker in any way shape or form and as you know i love Heath ledger's performance as the joker don't get me wrong but to me the joker is mark hamill because he just embodies oh 100 that, that voice and i'm not opposed to having the joker be the main villain of a story but i want it to be something that that builds up where you don't see the joker till like the back half of the movie yeah but that's just me what's your feeling on that so i completely agree mark hamill is by far the best joker performance that exists and every live action joker performance is so drastically different like i'd say jack nicholson is the most Definitely visually comic accurate, but he's also, he's more of a crime boss in that movie, which is really cool. Like he's, he's a gangster. He's just a gangster in that movie, which is really cool to see. And like, when you look at Heath Ledger's Joker, it's it like, it does, there's no like concept to him that would, you would connect to a Joker from a comic like it's so unique in its own way that it's like in his performance is incomparable to any other Joker. Like the only thing that ties that character to the Joker is the name. Yeah. Which but... doesn't take away from his performance. Cause obviously his performance is fucking incredible, but it's a completely different character. The other thing is that like, I don't, I know you haven't, lived with the comics as long as I have, but Mm -hmm. Heath Ledger's Joker is more, it is, it's comic book accurate to before they turn the Joker into this funny joking person. Cause he was pretty dark. And then after that little silliness, they brought him back to being dark and a serial killer. Oh, okay. So he is Jack Nicholson is more visually comic book accurate. And I'd say the, Heath Ledger's Joker is more comic book accurate personality wise in those two time frames. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm I'm interested to see how they eventually portray the Joker in Matt Reeves's world mm-hmm. because you know that's Joker's probably the number one villain in Batman's Rogues Gallery. That yeah, him Two Face. Riddler's probably a B-list character, but I think he's shooting up there with this performance from Paul Dano. Oh, 100%. 100%. And uh, 
I mean, the only other person that I, uh, as a villain, that I I am interested to see in live action against the Batman is somebody who was going to be in Ben Affleck's Batman, Deathstroke. Yeah. Oh my gosh. They they were setting up. They were really teeing up Deathstroke so well, and I don't think that's just ever going to happen. They might. They they might not have Joe Joe Mangiello as Deathstroke, but I. Yeah, yeah. I if you want, especially because we were talking about the Ar- Arkham games, Arkham Origins had a good setup for a Batman Deathstroke conflict. Mm-hmm. And if you wanted to tee that up again, since this is technically Batman Year Two, and I'm very thankful. Side note to this conversation: that they didn't show Thomas and Martha Wayne get shot. And yeah, the scene that's, in that's one of the best parts about the movie is that it just throws you in. But that 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 that's teed up pretty well. That that would tee up a Deathstroke Batman thing. Like you could do the present day and do flashbacks similar to a show that we all love, Arrow. Mm-hmm. Showing two uh, subtitle two years ago. Da 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 da. Or whatever. So you get yeah. a little backstory. My prediction, what they're going to do with Joker is. Um, so originally they had this, the Gotham City spinoff show, which is now going to be an Arkham show. And the Gotham show was supposed to take place before the movie. And I think the Arkham show still can. And I think they might show Batman putting Joker in Arkham in that movie. And then, have you seen the the Rata Alada website at all? No, we didn't. Uh, I didn't grab it. So, um, if you do, if you go to RataAlada.com, like right after the movie came out, they had three. Uh, they had three riddles you had to answer. When you get all of them right, it gives you a download file to a video, which I think they played in the movie. It's just like a thing Riddler put together. But then the last week they had a countdown going on and it ended today. And on the, on the website, it was like, now that I have my friend, like we'll be back soon. So I think they're just setting up for Riddler and Joker to be the two antagonists in the next movie. I think that's, I think that's what they're setting up for now. That's actually interesting. They did kind of make a, uh, going back to what we're talking about at the end, they made a connection Again, not that you know that that's the Joker or it's said that it's the, he's the Joker, but Joker. Yeah. I, <laughs> we, we know it's Joker. Um, let's get into Robert Pattinson. I, uh, I did not. I told you before, I did not. I was not expecting what I got, but I'm very no, neither happy. Was I. I was very happy with what I got. He's a very cerebral Batman. I mean, I want to say a good 90% of the film, he's in the suit. Yeah, he, he's in so much of the movie, which is the best part. Um, his interactions with, like, Selena, Penguin, and, of course, we got to talk about Gordon. Amazing. Like I love shows. Jeffrey Wright, dude. I love him as Gordon. Amanda made a very uh, astute point, and I wanted to get your take on it. Jeffrey Wright's, uh, Jeffrey Wright's uh, Commissioner Gordon, I mean, Lieutenant Gordon, is trying to be Gary Oldman's Gordon. You, you kind of get that? I could kind of see it. You mainly see that towards the end when he's trying to take control of the situation when the city's going down. And I watched The Dark Knight only a few days before I, we I had my first viewing of the Batman because I wanted to be able to compare them fairly because I hadn't seen Dark Knight in a while, and it's just so reminiscent of the city just falling apart at the end, the last half of Dark Knight really. And Gordon's just trying to take control, and he's like, "All right, we we need guys here, 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 and here. We need a whole sweep of the building for bombs, like." Like it, it is very reminiscent of Gordon in like the last half of Dark Knight. I, I, I can see that. But his delivery, I feel like Jeffrey Wright has a somewhat similar delivery in a lot of his roles. Like 
like the way he delivers his dialogue in this just it it's fairly similar to how he was in the bond films and i love him in the bond films i, I he's one of my favorite characters in those films and Felix his Leiter. performance is just as good in this movie i i love i love that they chose jeffrey ray i think he was a fantastic pick so i love jeffrey Wright in in this movie too and i see your point about the bond uh, about the bond films and until you said that i completely forgot that he had a similar delivery in the bond films and nobody else but me when when i when i saw gordon for the first time in the movie i murmured to myself oh, that, that's felix Leiter." <laughs> that's so, why i was like already a fan of him because he was like my favorite character watching those movies because like watching uh, him in casino royale he's like He's like, I already know I'm out. And he's like, he's just giving Bond like tips on how he's going to win. And I'm like, oh, this is awesome. He's going to be so good. He was set He was set up based on the old Bond films to be Bond's best friend. And one day we'll do Bond films because you and yeah, I, we're, we're, we're there. <laughs> but I want to talk really quick, not quickly, but relatively quickly about how did you feel about Zoe Kravitz as Selena Kyle, the Catwoman? So, like, if you had no idea that she was like Catwoman, or like if you had like no idea what Catwoman was, like you, like you'd think she's just like a brand new character, which I think is fine because I think she's fantastic in the movie. And she has a she her storyline in the movie is pretty important concerning her connection to Falcone and how Batman helps guide her out of the darkness she was going into, and it it, it helps his character tremendously. Like she does so much for his character arc in that movie, and I, and I think she actually has a really good performance in the movie too. I loved her performance in the movie, and you know, I've seen so many iterations of Catwoman. My personal favorite being Julie Newmar from the 1966 Batman. Mm-hmm. She'll always be my Catwoman. No, no questions asked. <laughs> but, you know, with her portrayal of Selena and the proto Catwoman, basically, we basically see like a version of the Arkham Catwoman suit, kind of like, like you were talking about with Batsuit. Yeah. Yep. Um, so I just love the connection that they gave for Batman and Selena. And I, one of my favorite lines in the movie, right before she goes and leaves, at the end of the movie, she says, the bat and the cat, that, that has a nice ring to it. That's something that has been echoed through comic books and the 66 yeah, series. Yeah, was saying, he's like, I think that's word for word from one of the comics. <laughs> Mm-hmm. that entire scene which like it's it's so good and i watched um i don't know the entire story for long halloween i i started watching part one of the movie and i was like eh. i was like i kind of want to read it instead but like even like the first like 20 minutes like like their dynamic was actually it was very similar to how they are in this movie and i was like okay i, I like this dude i think you'll get a better appreciation of for it watching it really than, than reading it Okay. It's one of those Batman tales. Like Arkham, the Arkham Asylum comic is good and it's weird, but I think you get a better appreciation for it when you play the game. Oh, yeah, because you have that whole atmosphere. You can hear it. Mm-hmm. You, can, and- you can see it in motion. Like it's, a, it's an entirely different experience. I mean, Long Halloween... It's not like Hush, which is better comic book wise than it was in the animated, just like um, Killing Joke, which we've we I know we have our problems with it. I leave it as is, but yeah, <laughs> the, the comic is better than the animated, even with the the legendary vocalization of Kevin Conroy and Mark Hamill. When I was watching the the Hush movie, it's like. Towards the last, the last uh, like act of it, 
like they killed Thomas Elliott. And I was like, who the hell was Hush then? I was like, what? What is going on? And, you know, since we're we're kind of there already, you know, a big thing that happened in the movie is the the figuring out the riddle and seeing all the Thomas. Uh, I can't remember Elliot. You know Thomas Elliot's dad. I think it's Edward. Dad. I'm pretty sure it's Edward Elliot. Edward Elliot. Then the hush. To me, correct me if I'm wrong. If if you think you know better, I think that they're setting up something for Hush and Thomas Elliot. Dying for that. I, I don't think they just threw out Edward Elliot for nothing. Like they 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 put that name in that movie for a purpose. I think they're definitely setting up for Hush. So. There's that. Um, Paul Dano. Every other Riddler has been very, very clapstick. Ed, Edward Nigma, kid Jim Carrey's Joker, Frank Gorshin's Riddler in 1966, even in the Batman animated series. And I don't know who voiced the Riddler in that. It, it felt like, and I think I've read this somewhere today that you know Paul Dano's Riddler is kind of like the Zodiac Killer. Yeah. So I appreciated that. You know, we're finally taking one of the more sillier Batman villains seriously. Because you know what, you can say what you will about the depiction of the Joker from the really, really funny to the really, really serious. He was always an A-list villain for Batman mm-hmm. because his his goal as a villain is to make Batman break his one rule, which is, you know, killing him. And for the Riddler, you know what his mission is, but it's never taken seriously. It's to outsmart the Batman. Yeah. But I... I absolutely could not believe how how well Paul Dano acted and his character was presented throughout the whole entire film. And I, I think one of the most like chilling moments in that whole movie is when he's he's interrogating him at Arkham, and you assume that everything was done and uh, oh they caught Riddler like. This has to be like the end of the movie now. And then he's like, oh, you haven't figured it out. And I was like, there's more? <laughs> like, what do you mean there's more? And he's like, we were supposed let, to watch this together. <laughs> let me piggyback with with you on that. That yeah. scene, that interaction, that whole time, I'm thinking that he has, I think we're all thinking at the beginning that he figured out that Bruce Wayne is Batman. Yeah, that's the best part about that scene. And then there's like a there's like a music cue when Batman realizes that he doesn't actually know that he's Bruce Wayne because I think he was purposely staying silent because he was like fuck like does he know (laughs) and then there's a music cue and he like tilts his head a little bit and he's like okay he doesn't know (laughs) so I love how they did that and I love that interaction in the film and I. There was something bone chilling about it too. I, I maybe it's the staging, maybe it's the cinematography, maybe it's just the acting, or maybe it's all of it. I just, I, just, I, I, I felt my heart kind of stop. As it's the suspensive. It's through the suspensive thinking. What the fuck does he have planned? And the stakes just shoot up. Like, like you go back to the apartment, you figure out what's going on. And then all the explosions start going off. And you're like, this is happening. The city is falling, literally falling apart. I could not believe it. I was like, dude, there's no way they're doing this right now. This has like never been done. Except for when Gotham was like under gas. That's really it. Let's talk about a portrayal. That up until I said something that because they this. Andy and Amanda saw that Colin Farrell was in this movie, but they didn't realize who he was playing. 
Oh my god, really? They <laughs> they didn't know he was Penguin. Well, the I walked is, out going, "Who the fuck was he?" No, we it was during that conversation. We were had a thing sitting where we were sitting. The lights were up, and the guys were trying to clean the theater. They're like, "Colin Farrell was in this movie. Who was he?" I said, "Didn't you realize he was the Penguin?" <laughs> and they're like, "What? That looks nothing like him." Um, that that like, was kind of the whole point. It's such a huge toss-up with like what my favorite performance is in the movie because because I had only seen the teaser trailer that they released I think last October and, or two Octobers ago, and then there was the first official trailer that I think released like last summer, it was like in August when they were doing the fandom. Those were the only two trailers I saw for this movie, so I had no idea Falcone was in it. And then he just ended up being one of the main bad guys. I was like, dude. And the guy that plays him is like incredible. <laughs> like, I love him in the movie. The only thing I think I saw was the fandom trailer. Because I think I sent you the fandom trailer. Yeah. So I had no clue he was in the movie. Like, I love me some John Turturro. He's yeah. in some of He's my fantastic. favorite, some of my favorite movies. And playing some of my favorite characters of all time. And it's nice to know that they did Carmine Falcone justice comparatively to the Dark Knight trilogy. Yeah. And even more so to the, the Batman the Animated Series. Because he in the comic books, he was a big figure, at least towards the beginning. Especially because, mm-hmm. you know, Batman's war on crime was on the street level against the gangs and then you get your super villains mm-hmm. it's always the Maroni and Falcone families um I mean there's so much to freaking unpack about this movie I know there's a lot there's a lot what do you think of Alfred because you know you know that my biggest thing about Alfred's in any Batman iteration is I can't stand when they call Bruce Master Wayne because that is in every iteration of Batman that I remember that I love it's always Master Bruce because you know yeah in Arkham games especially well I I mean think about it like Alfred has known this kid since he was a baby He's yeah. never he he would never call him Master Wayne. He would call him Bruce or Master Bruce. And he he says Wayne in this movie, right? No, he doesn't. I think he, he just said he he I think, I think he think just he, calls him Bruce. I think he just calls him Bruce because I would when um Kim and I were ramping up to watch this movie, we watched The Dark Knight and we watched Zack Snyder's Justice League cuz she had never seen it. Ah, oh, so good. I've only seen it the one time. I want to watch it again. And she saw me shaking my head because we watched the two back to back. Oh, jeez. She goes, "What are you? Why are you shaking your head?" I said, "Because Alfred does not call Bruce Master Wayne. He calls him Master Bruce." Does Jeremy Irons also say Master Wayne? Mm-hmm. That's okay. why. That's yeah. that's why. It, it, it because we had watched the dark knight because she chose that because i would have char- chosen dark knight because we were going back and forth between picking batman movies yeah and i was like you've never seen justice league and uh just the Zack snyder's justice league i'm just letting you know it's like three and a half hours long it's broken up into six seven parts yeah <laughs> but it gives you more context to everything that's going on in the story and i personally think it's the better of the two justice league films just saying. Of we the can... DCEU, I would say it's the best DCEU film. I, I mean... Well, I'd say it's the best one, but my favorite one is The Suicide Squad. The new one that I yeah. still haven't seen? Oh, I adore that movie. But I'm also a James Gunn fan, so that's probably why I love it so much. But getting back to Alfred, yeah. what did you, you think of uh, Andy Serkis? Who also, for those of you who are listening was snoke in the 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 oft forgotten sequel trilogy of star wars <laughs> i wish i could forget i can't can't forget Gollum either i forgot about that 
not that I wanted to. <laughs> but I, me being an Andy Circus fan, I knew he was going to, I knew I was going to like him, but I also knew he was going to do a good job because I've never seen him turn in a bad performance. And um, I, I loved him because he, he has that little pull for Bruce where he's like, he's like, are you sure like what you're doing is like the right thing? Like he's trying to guide him and Bruce is like, look, dude, I, I'm just doing what I want to do. And he's like, all right, like suit yourself. Like it, it's very reminiscent of Arkham Origins for me where the whole game, like Alfred's just pulling him back and he's like, no, I'm, I'm doing this. Like I'm, you're not going to tell me otherwise. And uh, having, having like a little connection with him so far, since he doesn't have much screen time in this movie, when they do the explosion, I was like, oh, he's dead. I was like, like, it was believable to me that they would kill him in this movie because of how little you saw him. And I was like, dude, like, that's crazy. Like, that's, that's something that's believable in this movie. I'm happy they didn't kill him off, but it would have been believable if they did. Funny enough, I had all three of them around me being like, oh, my God, he's dead. Oh, my God, he's dead. Oh my God, he's dead. <laughs> I'm like, he's not dead. He is not dead. You, you, you can't kill off Alfred. Not this soon. No, and I'm happy they didn't. But I feel like this is the one movie where, like, if they did, I'd be like, "All right, like this this movie isn't messing around." Like, I I could see that happening in this movie. I mean, I I could see it, but there, there. He's so early in his career, though. That like it, it wouldn't quite make sense. But the thing is, like, I was thinking to myself. Now, I don't know if you've seen the Pennyworth series, and I haven't. I I know I haven't. I've I've been interested in it though. I'm very interested in it, especially because this is the, one of the few times that you hear that Alfred was in the military. Yeah. So I was like, if Alfred was in the military, like right, af- right after the boom happened and they're all like, oh, he's dead, he's dead, he's dead. I'm like, <laughs> it's Alfred. Alfred survived. If he, he was in the military, he can survive a bomb. <laughs> Plus, you get that backstory with him and Bruce because you learn in this movie, he taught Bruce how to fight. Mm-hmm. That's that little backstory you get for Batman. Alfred taught him how to fight. I love that. But that doesn't preclude the fact that, you know, I've always loved the fact that in the animated series and then in the Dark Knight trilogy that Bruce went away to learn other things. Mm-hmm. That, and that doesn't preclude Bruce not doing that. It just means that Bruce's foundation and fighting is from Alfred. And I mm-hmm. and I absolutely adore that, that little fact. And I also love how brutal the action scenes are. Like it's v- one of the most chilling sequences in the movie is the first time you see him walk out of the shadow and just start beating the shit out of everyone. And he takes down the whole group except for like the last kid. It was very right. That reminded me of Arkham. Yeah, just the the the, <laughs> the the combat form that you know you and I know like the back of our hands. Like yeah, it's so fluid. It's so fluid. Uh, and the stomping of his boots. I think they do it like two or three times throughout the movie. You just hear his boots, and everyone's like, "What is that?" <laughs> here's here's something to talk about, and this is another thing that Amanda. Or and it may have been Kim was like, Jamie. He didn't change his voice like like uh, like any other Batman that I know. Oh my god, I, I love his voice. My friends were complaining about the voice. I was like, you prefer Christian Bale's voice over this voice? I think his voice works perfectly in this movie because he just he just kind of like he he only deepens it a tiny bit. Just to be more menacing. He's not trying to mask his voice. He's just trying to be more menacing. He's just... I don't know. It, like, I get it, Christian Bale's Where's Rachel? And trying to get get all all up. Uh, you know, menacing. But here's something that I remember from um, an interview from Ricardo Montalban. When, when they were do, shooting the Wrath of Khan. Yes, everything leads to Star Trek people. <laughs> um, but they were shooting Wrath of Khan and he was showing his top. And 
Nicholas Meyer, the director of Star Trek II, went over to Ricardo and said, the thing about people who are, are, are crazy or mad is that you never want to show your top because if you show them your top, you have nowhere to go. So I feel like that inspired. What does that mean? It means like you want to, you want to portray that you're mad or whatever. But if, if this is like your normal level, you don't want to stay like up here. If you stay up here, that means you have nowhere to go. If, you know you have to ramp up yeah because, no, because okay, you're already there yeah that makes that makes sense so i feel like robert Pattinson's batman is taking from that school of thought which yeah. i which i love because you know you don't really he doesn't he doesn't really have to go that extra mile with the voice and even in the scenes like him confronting falcone whether as Bruce or as Batman, he doesn't go much past that little grovel that he puts in his voice. Yeah. He's very cool, calm, and collected. Even though you know on the inside, which you can see through his eyes, which is another little yeah. touch that I loved. Oh, that you could looks, see. His looks. And the only time he does that, maybe, where he like goes to the top is when he's, he's banging on the window. What have you done? What mm-hmm. have you done? That's the only which makes sense because he's like, what the fuck is going on? What did you think of the whole fight on the on the the catwalk scene? I loved it. <laughs> the choreography was incredible. He drops in, he starts beating the shit out of everyone, he slides down the pole, he like goes down a level. Um, I think he <laughs> he he shoots his arms out like this gets two different guys with their legs and like yanks them towards him. And he like uses their weight to like propel him back up. And he kind of like rolls into two guys, knocks them down. Like the whole scene is so fluid. I love it. So it's very reminiscent, reminiscent of the Arkham games. And, you know, it's very, very dark, dark night ish. It's, it's everything that I wish that the Dark Knight did, you know, action-wise. Yeah, I, I would Because, agree. you know, it, the Dark Knight films, action-wise, is always very brutal with with the portrayal of um, everything that goes on. But it didn't feel fluid like this movie feels fluid. Whether that's because of the costume yeah. or the choreography or maybe it's a combination of everything. I don't know. And I think you can attribute the Dark Knight, even like shot wise, like the shots during like the action scenes. I think you can attribute that to like the Jason Bourne era of action movies, because that was in that time period. And the way the action scenes were shot, like they're they're pretty jump cutty, they're quick. This movie takes its time. You have long shots of everything, like you get to just absorb the scene. That's the best thing this movie has going for it. You get to just absorb everything. Yeah, I mean, again, there's so much to unpack about this goddamn movie that I don't think even just one conversation is going to, you know, do it. So eventually, we're going to get Garrett and somebody else in that's seen this. And then you and I can moderate yeah, because he has a, he has a lot I to mean, talk about too. I wish I wish he was here for it, but he's that. But way. like I was saying, like you and I just talking about this, we will just gush and fanboy out, and that's no problem. And you and I basically have the same views on this. But I want to hear somebody who is a little bit more immersed than than you and I in this. Garrett, Garrett, this is his number one film. This is his favorite movie. That's how much he adored this film. So, like, we, we, we've talked about basically everything. I mean, you get... The, we haven't mentioned no, the Batmobile we haven't. Yet. We also haven't mentioned the Iceberg Lounge or for, 44 Below. Ah, oh, that's, that's what I meant to bring up. When, uh, 
when Batman first goes to the ice cream lounge and he just starts kicking the shit out of everyone. Yo, you want to see me, sweetheart? <laughs> hey, take it easy, sweetheart. It's, oh, dude, it's so I mean, good. We, we've seen the Iceberg Lounge in the animated series. We've seen the Iceberg Lounge in the Arkham games. It was finally nice to see something like that in live action. And I didn't even think they were going to do it. Like, like Catwoman mentions it, and I was like, oh, that's such mm-hmm. a cool Easter egg. And then he goes there. I was like, what? And it's so awesome. It's like this little underground thing that no one knows about. But the backside of it, where he uh, Penguin hangs out with Falcone, just overlooks the whole city. I was like, Dude. I mean, the other thing to talk about. Let's talk about the Batcave before we get to the 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 Batmobile. Oh my God, the bats swarming around mm-hmm. when he first enters. <laughs> you no, know, I wish. Now, grant you, we only get the Batmobile for like two sequences, basically. Yeah, we get the. Bat cycle ish. Yeah, it's it's by the end, it's definitely the bat cycle because the front of it, the front panel literally has mm-hmm. like two points at the top of it. But I thought it was a big proto proto Batman the animated series car. If you really look at it, it's huge. It, yeah. it reminds me of that car, and I always loved that car. That and the 66 Batmobile mm-hmm. are my two favorite Batmobiles. But this is kind of up there. It, it, I loved that car chase. My two favorites are Batman 89 and Animated that, that chase, though. It's, it's incredible. You, you cannot find anything in this film that I really don't like. And, and I know it's the same thing for you. And the fact that he teases him because he... You turn it on, you just hear, zoom. You can see, like, the flame, like, the combustion flames through mm-hmm. the hood. You can, like, see it glowing. And then he just has a goddamn, like, like jet in the back of his car. And he, it's almost like he, he's literally taunting Penguin. He gave him a head start. He just, like, he shoots forward for a second, almost like, be like, all right, now go. <laughs> like, let's see how this ends. <laughs> like, he was literally taunting him I the whole love, time. Now, grant you, I kind of got teased. We all got kind of got teased by the trailer and and the car sequence and and yeah and stuff. But it was it was. I know for the people that I was with, that it was like, oh my god, he he he's not gonna catch up to Penguin. I'm like, watch this. <laughs> He busts through like a like a c- cement cylinder. He just shatters it, ramps up the truck. I got you. I got Ooh. you. <laughs> Shoots through the flames. Oh my gosh! And the shot of him just walking up with the with the theme just blaring. The music. We haven't talked about the music you, you yet. Talk, you... That that scene. Someone does it the best. It's funny. Like music is a big thing to me in movies but i would say the theme for the theme for batman doesn't do it for me really like i I, like i get it really and maybe it's just because i love that 1989 theme i think this is very reminiscent of the 89 I think it calls back to at certain points it does because i can hear like certain things like the the catwoman theme like i can hear it yeah, you can you can but, literally hear it. But I just awesome. I think there's, I'm just in love with that theme that it's just that it's just yeah. I have that I have that on vinyl. I have the 89 Batman on vinyl and I have Dark Knight on vinyl. Which also are two incredible mm-hmm. soundtracks. So, we we talked about what we think are going to be the villains for the next movie. Which there will be a next movie, and I kind of hope that they put they bring in Dick Grayson or Robin, or a Robin, oh, because be crazy now after this experience, I think you could do it. But um, 
And we've never had a serious live action. No, we have not. We've had Chris O'Donnell. <laughs> and that is it. Nightwing. Robin. No, no. He never says Robin. He says Nightwing. Batboy. Or whatever he says. Because I another one of the movies I watched was Batman Forever. How about... I want a car. car. Chicks dig the car. That's, but I re- <laughs> That's the one line I remember from that whole movie. Well, Batman <laughs> Forever. You're thinking Batman and Robin. Batman and Forever is... Yeah, that's Batman and Robin. I need a name. Nightwing, Batboy. How about Dick Grayson, college student? <laughs> but that's not the line that I remember from that movie. That the interaction that I remember is at the very beginning because it was so out of cu- character for Bruce or Batman. Can I take percent hmm. per- persuade you to take a sandwich, sir? I'll get drive through. <laughs> but oh, cancel the pizzas! Uh, cancel the pizzas! <laughs> um, but the thing that I was thinking, I, I was watching this um this movie, uh, movie YouTube video today of the characters that people want to see in a live action Matt Reeves Batman movie, and number one, you will never guess who it is. I'll give you two guesses. Number one, like just any character to see no, the movie? No, to be the main villain. Oh, to be the main villain? I've seen a lot of people talk about Two-Face. I've heard a lot well, for Two-Face. Funnily face, enough, but... not on the list. I mean, the only two I can think of are Joker and Hush. Joker and Hush are on the, the list. But Joker is number 10 on the list. Because we've seen Joker's Joker, really? seen Joker a lot. Number three is Hush. I'm fine with him not being a main villain. Number, number three, three is, is Hush, Hush, you said? Court, Court of Owls. Owls is number four. Number one is Mr. Freeze. Oh, my God. That'd be so Especially awesome. Especially because he's a sympathetic villain. And number two, I, I didn't even yeah. freaking realize this. Mainly because of the long Halloween. Wait, let me guess. Mm. Let me guess. Yes. Calendar Man. I, I I've I've heard some talk about Calendar Man. I think that Poison would be Ivy was on the list. Clayface and Professor Pig, who we only really get to see in Arkham Knight for like a mission. I could see him being a, like a, a side, almost like a. Side I, I think story. I, I think that yeah. could be a good build up to whoever is. Yeah. But, like, the one Batman villain that I would, that, you know, outside of Joker and Riddler and even Hush, because I think Hush would would be good for, like, if you did a run on that, that Arkham or that uh, Gotham series to lead up to the movie, that would be better to set up the, mm-hmm. the movie but that will require people to actually watch the show. Yeah. It is definitely Mr. Freeze because he he's he's a villain that you can actually feel for because he's a scientist. He's trying to save his wife, Nora. You can feel for him. Mm-hmm. I mean, the Joker, the Joker doesn't really have a backstory, at least that we know of in this in this reality, that we can, yeah. you know grab on to and i'm honestly happy this is a lot of people were thinking oh this might be connected to joker i'm happy it's not matt reeves even said like when he was writing this movie like he didn't even know joker was being made like he had no idea about that movie until they like announced it i'm and there's also no way they'd be able to connect to it anyways they're doing joker 2 now which the first Joker movie was good. I'm not gonna say it was great. It was good, and it had it's loose. I don't know if it warrants a sequel. Like I don't know. I don't even know what they would do for a sequel. Like I feel like his his story's done in that. movie. I feel like his story's done in that movie, but I'm kind of interested to figure out what's going on. Yeah, like I, I they could really take him anywhere after the end of that, but I have no clue. I I don't even know what they could do that would. 
be in line with the tone of the first movie. So overall, Dill, as we wrap talk up on the Batman, tell me any final thoughts on the Batman. Final thoughts. It's it's my favorite Batman movie. I personally think it's the best Batman movie. You have the most screen time of Batman out of probably any other probably film. Even that his name has been a part probably of. Probably even altogether. Yeah, exactly. It, it there's there's like you said, there's too much about this film that's just done so well. And I I think my, my three favorite things about this film, the cinematography, the Batmobile, and the music. Those are probably my three favorite things about this film. Especially them using something in the way as almost like his theme. Like having that start the movie and end the movie with narration was awesome. I loved the narration. It's like he's writing writing in a journal. Yeah, I think I think the narration is like his first journal entry of the timeline of the movie and then his final journal entry of the movie. So my final takeaways from this film. I absolutely adore this film. It probably is in the top 10 of my all-time movies already. And that's not and that's mm-hmm. only after one viewing. And we all know that Batman's my favorite character. The cinematography, the movie, the performances, everything just was Batman to me. And I honestly cannot wait for any ancillary material and the sequel to come out. Provided mm-hmm. that they do a really good story. And what makes any good Batman story is the villains and the actual story around it. And that you involve Batman uh, or make Batman the central character, which is my biggest my biggest pet peeve of all the Batman projects that there is that they focus too much on the villains versus the Dark Knight or the Cape Crusader as, you know, we've come to know him as. Mm-hmm. But before I let you go, did you know, let's talk about this real quick. They pushed back Aquaman and the Flash. It was pretty upsetting. <laughs> I can't lie. I was... I was excited for Aquaman, but I was dying for the Flash. Seeing that pushed out, it pushed it back to what June for Flash. It was it was ridiculous. I sat down. I I, I like, didn't Ugh. even see that until today. Dilly, I sat down in the theater and I saw the DC thing of above that they put in with Black Adam, Aquaman, Batman, the Flash. I was all giddy, and then then this morning <laughs> I wake up. The Flash and Aquaman have been pushed back to 2023. I and, and like it's nice that they pulled up Shazam, but like I wasn't really like hyped for. I Shazam. didn't. Re- I was mainly I looking forward. To really Aquaman. wasn't looking forward. I didn't look forward to the first Shazam movie. <laughs> and I'm not terribly excited for you know Black Adam or the Doctor Fate movie. Just yeah. like I, I, I'm not excited for Morbius either. What I am excited for is Doctor Strange. I am only watching Morbius to see why the fuck Michael Keaton is in it. <laughs> I have no idea well, why he's the, in it. If it's not an MCU, I mean, movie. I thought that you know Michael Keaton was the Vulture, and they're technically technically Vulture is in the MCU because of Tom Holland Spider Man. But we know that we know Morbius is in the Venom universe, and we know Venom is in a different universe from the Maybe MCU. it's the primarily because of like the the end credit scene in Venom too. So like, I just want to know how the hell Michael Keaton, Vulture, made it to their time. Or they have yet to explain or, how that even happened. You know how like there's the whole multiverse. What if there is a multiverse where? Michael Keaton is the vulture in the Venom verse. Yeah, yeah, that, that's the other thing people have been saying. It could be how J.K. Simmons is probably just um, J. Jonah Jameson in like every universe. <laughs> like, could be something like that where it's just always Michael Keaton as the vulture. He would have been an amazing Gordon. 
He's in Batgirl. But he would have been an amazing Gordon for an actual Batman movie. He would have. He he definitely would have. He looks the part. <laughs> he looks the part very well. I mean, there's there's very few people that I can say that can transmute, uh, transpose into two different universes. Very well, well. <laughs> like, J- like J.K. Simmons. Well. In the last year, I've seen him be J. Jonah Jameson, which I already knew he could do. He's been Commissioner Gordon. Mm-hmm. And coincidentally, I actually watch because you know I I love old shows. He played um one of the characters from um I Love Lucy, um, the guy who plays um Fred Mertz. I can't remember his name, but in in the loose in he was also Omni Man in Invincible. I don't I know if you've watched that, but I love that show and he's amazing in that show. <laughs> He's just killing it with comic book girls right now. I mean, our Riddler, I'm Riddler, our Joker was also in the Eternals. Yeah, it's true. I've I've yet we to watch it. We should. I'm, we, we, I'm meant we, to watch it. Since we, it's on we, Disney Plus. Well, I should have you over to the apartment, and then we should watch it. Hell yeah, dude! I, I still haven't seen well, it. No, no, nobody on that side. Two birds, one that, stone. That um, <laughs> you're uh, the other side of my family. Actually, nobody's seen it really. <laughs> but that's it for today's podcast. Look out for Spider Man and look out for Dill because we're gonna have Dill, Garrett, and possibly somebody else come back to talk about the Batman. Batman Part Two. bothering you here but your people keep telling me you're unavailable you know you really could be doing more for this city your family has a history of philanthropy but as far as i can tell you're not doing anything left this for the Batman. Why is he writing to you? You came. I've been trying to reach you. Riddler's latest. It's all about the Waynes. If we don't stand up, no one will. You got a lot of cats. Never think about strays. The bat and the cat. It's got a nice ring. You a new friend of yours? I'm not so sure. I'm just here to unmask the truth about this cesspool we call a city. You're part of this too. Hands up! Stay still! How am I part of this? Oh, you're really not as smart as I thought you were. Bruce Wayne. All these years, you lied to me, Alfred. We all have our scars, Bruce. He's still away. He's involved in this? No, he's not involved. How do you know? Except for Delaney. Who are you under there? What are you hiding? Selena, don't throw your life away. Don't worry, honey. I got nine of them. It can be cruel, poetic, or blind. But when it's denied, it's your violence you may find. Justice. The answer is justice. Come on, vengeance. Let's get into some trouble.
first of all, I want to thank Dylan for coming in and talking about the Batman. We're definitely going to have a sequel to this podcast after I've seen it a couple more times and after Chandler. And maybe we'll get a whole panel of people to talk about this movie. Because there, again, like we said multiple times in the podcast, there is so much to unpack in this movie. Um, before we sign off, I just want to give you a little programming note. After this episode drops, two weeks from the, now, when I'm in Star Trek Mission Chicago for Heroes in Action, the Spider-Man podcast that I recorded with Dylan will be dropping. Um, things have been a little crazy around here. Um, I know we haven't had a podcast since November when I did the A Hard Day's Night podcast. But things have been going really, really well for me. Um, working at Heroes in Action, moving in with my girlfriend, traveling all over uh, the United States for the first time basically since the pandemic started. But we'll be getting back to our, our regularly scheduled Fez Talks episodes. But before we go, make sure that you check out Roy's Tie-Dye Sci-Fi Corner Show on Facebook Live, Fridays at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, and alternating Sundays also at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Check out Sci-Fi Distilled with co-hosts Mary Beth and Mike Rizzo Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time you can also catch the Reek broadcast there as well or listen to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts now if you're listening to this episode of Fez Talks during the March 28th week last week on Sci-Fi Distilled I was on a panel of should it be remade or should it not be remade on Sci-Fi Distilled and this week, I will be on Sci-Fi Distilled for something really special, so I hope you guys check that out. Are you a Star Trek fan? Check these two Star Trek podcasts out. Darren Doctorman and Mark A. Altman as the Inglorious Trexperts every Friday and the Black Alert podcast. If you want to get a hold of us, contact us. We welcome your input. Fez Talks on Facebook at Fez Talks Podcast. Instagram and Twitter at Fez Talks. And if you want to get a hold of us the old fashioned way, you can email us at Fez Talks at gmail.com. Until next time, my fellow geeks, live long and prosper in your galaxy far, far away. <laughs>